hate that you have epiphanies about yourself, not you. I hate that I have epiphanies about myself, but I imagine it's a universal condition. And then you have to, you're like, oh, wow. And you don't make big changes, but you feel like, oh, this is the thing. It settles into your bones and it's part of who you know about yourself now. And then three months later, you're like, oh, I just had this epiphany about myself. And it's the <laughs> Sam one. It's the same one. I can't We talked a little bit a while ago about talking about about I don't know the general idea of goal setting and and that's a huge kind of theme that runs throughout financial stuff, but it's not exclusive and and we're kind of recording this still in January, uh, which is a traditional goal setting month, but you know it's something that happens all throughout the year, multiple times um, after the initial January failure failure <laughs> air quotes intended. Um, so yeah, like how have you guys kind of entered into 2019 thinking about that? Do you, are you guys goal setters or, um, how do you, yeah. How do you think about that idea, that question? I'm really interested in hearing what Kate, um, has because in her stories a couple of months ago, she went to a workshop, right? Is this the, mm-hmm. did you go to a modern planner workshop? So I feel like you have some structure or that I'm not aspiring to, but I'm so curious about. I do. I set focus areas. So I do that for a year and then I do that quarterly and revisit it monthly. And that course I went to called Set Vision Plan Change run by um, Modern Planner. They have you, she has you look at all these areas of your life. And so health is broken down into like, yes, physical health, but also emotional and spiritual and mental and like all these different areas. And you kind of reflect on that area of your life and how much time you spent focusing on that and how much of a pain point that was for you and a couple other things. And you almost rank a score in each area and that can help you see like, okay, that's an area that I didn't spend a lot of time on and maybe I should have because it's actually negatively affecting the rest of my life because I'm not paying attention to, and under finance, it's uh, like budgeting, saving and investing. So I didn't pay attention to budgeting. I didn't spend a lot of time on that. And that actually really negatively impacted my life. And that caused stress in my other relationships. That's another one of the criteria. Like, oh, okay, so then maybe that's a thing I should spend more time on next year. And then you look at your scores for all of this, and that kind of helps you pick out some focus areas. And I think the what she recommends is around kind of five to seven. Like I have five for this year and that doesn't mean you focus on all of them every month. Um, So if one of them's kind of career development, that doesn't mean every month you're going full throttle on that, but maybe one quarter you're more focused on that because you're taking a course or you're trying to get a promotion or something like that. Um, So yes, I pick out focus areas and then I do sort of intention statements in those areas. So rather than a goal around, if it's around career, rather than just a money goal, or if it's savings, just a money goal, how do I want to feel in that area? But you know, we talked about in our intro episode. Um, So why is that important for you to make a certain amount of money? Because saying 
70,000, like, like, what are you going to do with seven? Like, why is that useful to you? And how does that actually change your life and your relationships? And uh, yeah, so that's how I look at goal setting, I guess, is looking at focus areas of where I want to spend my time and then figuring out month by month, is that something where it's a project that I need to block out time to say, okay, every Friday I'm going to do this, or is that a daily habit? Like every day I'm going to go for a walk or every day I'm going to meditate or cook myself dinner, whatever it is. And then actually purposely put that time in your calendar and give yourself permission to actually use the time that you set aside to do the thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the secret sauce of every plan, the actual. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious about when you say kind of going through that level of kind of that analysis level at the, that you were talking about that you did at the workshop. Is that done kind of by like a little bit of self-reporting of the idea of like, I think I spent this much time on budgeting or on my health, or is that kind of like how, what kind of metric? Self-reporting. Self-reporting. And okay. I think she had just used a scale of one to five for that. So how okay. much time Great. did I spend on uh, my budget last year? And that would, I think everyone would interpret that differently. Okay. And I'm sure some people go through it. I went through it pretty intuitively. Like I didn't spend a lot of time thinking on that. It's just kind of what my initial okay. thought was like, oh, I spent a lot of time on that. Or like, nope, that's a one, <laughs> possibly a zero. Yeah, and totally. I think there's some people that would have probably done that in a more thoughtful way. <laughs> I think, yeah, it doesn't really matter since that like the answers are more subjective anyways. And they, as long as it means something to you, like more time in relative to how much time you spend now, like it all, it all works. I just was curious about how that works. Sorry, Sandy. I, I, mm -hmm. No, I was gonna, I was just gonna ask, cause I know this about myself that in times when I'm feeling particularly stressed about a particular thing, that it bleeds back into the past. So if I had to rate, you know, what the times, let's use budget, like the times of budgeting, it's a bad example because I know how much time I spent on that. But, um, and at the time I was stressed about budgeting like things that might bleed back into my self-assessment of, well, I didn't spend very much because I clearly didn't, I'm not where I want to be. So I clearly mm -hmm. must not have spent as much time on it in the past. Mm -hmm. So I, I imagine that that process, not to say like, well, you did it intuitively and I don't think that there's a right way and a wrong, there can't be. That's insane to think that. But so if you do it intuitively, you, you, you must, because you're checking in then, you know, regularly with it, do you find that when you are in a different mindset and you're looking at that same goal, but now you're looking at it from this, like from this position now, instead of the, you know, the stressed position that you were in possibly, do you find that your perception of your past work in that area changes depending on where you are when you're looking at it? Is that coherent at all? Yes, I, I think the most important thing is done for me because now I've done this a few times is that it's brought an awareness level for me that I didn't have before. Mm. So I never had any baseline awareness of, as an example, I spend time on budgeting or I stress about budgeting because I think we don't even realize that we're doing that half the time and then someone ask you and you go through she also has like all of these sort of prompt questions as well and then through that you discover 
oh, geez, yeah, I've been really stressed about that. And I didn't understand what area of my life that was or the word to put to it. So I guess looking back now, I have an awareness and I can compare over time. Yeah. And I'm less hard on myself because of it. Or if I look at an, er- an area that was a problem, um, I maybe don't get mad at myself that it was a problem because I, that was something I decided to ignore. Like I had said for that chunk of time, okay, I'm not going to be focusing on hobbies that quarter. So if I didn't sew anything, then like, that's fine. I'm going to give myself a hall pass for that. And, See, so, and I really like that idea of having something to measure against in whatever way you define measure. Yeah. Um, Because last year was the first year that I felt like I had a clean data set for how I spent my time at work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because we tracked our time for the whole year and we're still doing it. It's really useful to me, even though it only represents one piece of my whole life. I can set goals around that because really my personal goals are all around learning how to just be and be okay with that. So I don't, I'm resisting the idea of setting personal improvement goals, not because I think that I don't need to improve, but I spend a lot of my, my personality type and inside of my brain is very much focused on what you should be and how come you're not. And, and when we did design your life, there was a, those dashboards and one of them was play. And again, same thing. Well, what do you mean by that? But in play, I just like, I felt like it was close to zero. And we did that kind of in the summer when I was having Wednesdays off and had been really, this will be, had been really good at doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Very revealing, Sandy. Okay. (laughs) And I need, I just feel like there needs to be a lot more permission, again, the word, for me on the personal side of life, and it's all twined together, to when I'm not, when I don't have to get something done, to be okay with just doing the thing that feels right and not looking back and saying you were only valuable today because you produced yeah. or you accomplished. Or you, yeah, you move the needle one step closer to this ideal self, which you yeah. have created and therefore, oh, like which can just, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I think that, and maybe this isn't true for, I think that for me, it's always felt like it's going back and forth between between those two um, methodologies. This idea that sometimes it's very, very valuable to kind of go through the exercise and be like, okay, what does, it, what does a more satisfied you look like, you know? Or what does, what feels like, what kind of, what, stretching out the vision, because, you know, I feel like so much planning is this idea that we're stretching out your vision of what you want so that you can figure out what to do next, right? So this idea of imagining a little bit more of a, Oh, right. That would be really cool to know that. And kind of, that's what goals are to me a lot being like, Oh, it'd be great if I could, whether it's a tactile skill or whether I could feel this way or, and then you can reverse engineer. It's like, and then I would do these things. And then sometimes it's like, no, no, that's exactly what I don't want. You have to kind of go back and forth between the present and the future and this like really specific idea. And this like, no, no, actually what I need is to not think about that. And um, maybe that's not really clear, but just that one methodology has not been helpful to me, but both have been helpful. And so to kind of give myself permission to beginning last year was all about time tracking for me. So I started off the year by blocking everything. 
family time, personal time. And not necessarily I block up a plan, but then I change it. Like just in Google Calendar, just be like, this is reflective. It's really interesting to look back, but I did three months of that. I was going to do the whole year and then I just got tired. And I, a lot of it left and I hated, I hated blocking out free time because it, I just, I wanted time to not be planned, but within a context that I knew I had the permission to not do those things. But at the same time, it was really helpful to me in the last year to think about when I saw the word play or the idea, an idea that I was really playing at the beginning of last year was I read in a book, this idea that this famous chef had decided, just divided his life into three thirds, family, 30, uh, you know, one third family, one third business, one third personal. I was like, oh, what would that look like? And then I realized I had no idea what I would do that personal time. I, I was like, wait, not connected to work or family, like other people just from, I just for me. And that was an interesting thing just to think about, like, what would that be? What mm -hmm. would, and a year of thinking about that, I said to Mimi the other day, I was like, I feel like for the first time in my life, I am starting to develop a personal identity that is apart from work. And it's like a glimpse out of the corner of my eye. I can't tell you anything more about it. It's just that it, it there's a thing. And I know it's related to goal setting around that, even though the, did I accomplish any of those goals? I don't even remember. I'd have to look back. I maybe moved a little bit before, but just, just even the, the practice, like you were talking about Kate, just this, like that a little bit further awareness and a little bit further idea of the metrics that worked and the goals that I set last year that I was like, well, that's unmeasurable. I got to the end of the year and I was like, I don't know if I succeeded at that because it's not a, like, like I just wrote like out of guilt. I wrote down health because Mimi had come by when I was setting goals and she was like, well, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. I, was like, right. <laughs> so I wrote down health and then I tried to come up with actionable things. At the end of the year, I was like, I don't know, I'm not dead. I'm I know, okay. you look at it, you're like, who wrote this? Like, who was I? <laughs> And at the same time, there were like some like really specific things. And I was like, I did those things. Gah! So it, it's, and then there's those things where they're really specific, but you fall short. And then is that a failure? Is that not? No, oh, that's just a whole heap of thoughts I just threw out in the world. I, I really like the idea, though, of setting something that you're going to be paying attention to. Yeah, so whether you do that, whatever the structure around that is if it's really helpful to you to have a list of okay this month i'm going to pay attention to whatever career development or whatever those things are but to know that you're paying attention to it and have a reminder to be like oh yeah because so for example if i have to write something and it's in our you know it's our, our spring calendar and sandy's gonna write x i need to know that ahead of time i can't just do it so i have to have time to remind myself to think about it before the time comes or else i'm not successful at it awkward example but no so whatever that structure is around i'm paying attention to for me i'm paying attention to just being um awkward segue into an article that i just read yesterday that our friend jason heath had shared about who we are when we're not working and the transition into retirement that is very easy for some people when they say like yeah i know I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I feel like this new life of mine is comfortable and fits me very well. It's very short for some people and can take two, three, sometimes five years, maybe even longer. But in the study, what they were trying to examine was who transitions into retirement comfortably and who doesn't. And the people who do already have some kind of identity that's mm -hmm. outside of the thing that they were doing. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, with respect to retirement, that's really interesting. Of course, we do a lot of work with people who are retiring, whatever. 
So I had all these kind of career thoughts, but then of course I was thinking like, of course, of course we all need an identity that isn't just like what you said. It's not who you are for work. It's who you are. Yeah. Who are you without the doing? Yeah. So how do you, and it's not, I don't want to put a bunch of guilt on myself to be able to explain to people when they say, and what do you do? Oh, well, I am a fully complete human being. And also, by the way, I do financial planning. Like, but of course it's a really easy thing to answer. So I do, I'm a financial planner. That's who I am. And I don't want to put like put people into awkward social situations to listen to all the things that I think that I am. <laughs> but it is, I mean, I think that I, I think just the structure of our lives here in the Martin household for the past couple of years has been a real exercise in decoupling identity from work. And we're constantly working on that. But I, I, sorry, this is just a string of kind of stream of consciousness, but who you are and paying attention specifically to that is to me a part of how we think about what's coming up in the future. Uh, I didn't articulate that at all. No, could I add a thought in, into that? Just because it's been really interesting. One of the things I've been thinking about, I'm thinking about that a lot here in France specifically is this idea that I was talking to somebody who grew up here and then moved to, um, to the States when he was 21 and he was back and he was talking about how um, he, and maybe the, the sense is that this is a wider French thing, but, but he felt specifically, whether it's true for everybody here or not, that he wouldn't ask, one of the first questions is not what somebody does. And he would feel that it was actually kind of rude to ask somebody straight away. Um, you would kind of maybe ask a friend what they did. But one of the first questions, like, what do you like? What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy? And it just was interesting, that difference. Yet again, being like, what do you do is one of the first questions we ask people. And that's fine. It's not wrong. It's just, it's the identifiers just are in different shape. And, and like, I, I'm fairly, I'm happy with, with the, the, the thought that, you know, people don't have to be one specific way. I think that there's people that are very happy with an identity that is completely knit up with work. And, and um, it, that's totally, totally fine. Um, but it also doesn't have to be edited. It can be uncoupled. It can be nothing to do with work. I think that there's people that this whole like follow your passion, have to do work that's important to you. I think there's people that do work that they don't really care about and have incredibly happy, fulfilling lives. Yeah. Um, they've figured out that balance. It, but I, I think that's really interesting what, what you're talking about Jason Heath's kind of that transition question because I think this fits into the idea of goals and specifically the idea of financial goals a lot is that um, you know what you're trying to do it's so the obvious metaphor is planting a seed of something you know it's like if you want if you see your retirement really not being about work that's what you imagine it being and that's what you want it, you can't just switch it you know I, when I talk to people about cash flow and we talk about the idea of building savings goals and all that stuff, it's not about just like, when I have more money, I will then save. When I have more money, I will pay off my debt. No, you will find ways now to save a tiny bit and to work on that habit and work on all that kind of stuff so that you can amplify that later when you have more time. And I think that's the same thing in retirement. If you imagine a retirement that's not consulting and being involved in lots of work things, but not being constrained, lots of people want to do that. But if you want to be like, no, no, I'm not going to work. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be really different. This is what we've imagined. You know, you have to practice that before. And I think that's what the idea of goal setting can be. This idea of, okay, I see a version of my future that I just want to move towards. Or I see a version of myself that I want to move towards. What are the tiny little seeds that I can start sowing that 
that move me in that direction. Um, maybe. And you know, I told a lie when I said that I was just trying to be unstructured about like being, because the truth is one thing I really identified over the, over the Christmas holidays, Chris and I actually, you and I were talking about this before the holidays that I, the, just the bliss of thinking, contemplating this stretch of time where yes, there were things that had to get done. Laundry still had to be done. There was going to be a Christmas dinner, this all stuff, but putting yourself in that, I'm just open to what's going to happen mindset, which is a very difficult transition for me. And it was a little bit disappointing this year because what happened was a lot of things happened and just kept happening. And it was great. It was fine, but it wasn't that stretch of kind of delicious. I'm just going to sit down and create a new spreadsheet or whatever the thing was that I was really excited about from last Christmas. <laughs> um, and so, and so one of the things that I identified that I'm not very good at is finding little slices of that kind of holiday, not holiday spirit, like ho, 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 but just that spirit of there is no demand on me right now. And whatever, whatever happens can happen. And so one of my intentions for this year is just if, like, if it's Friday at four 30 and that's when Seth and I, like we put the kids to bed early and we make a nice dinner together and whatever, that's, that's, that's a little slice of holiday time. It doesn't have to be a whole two weeks or whatever it is, but yeah. how can I be better? So this, this kind of goes to your point of just identifying the person that I want to be is somebody who can just be. And one of those ways is identifying the little slices of time at the end of the day when I can just quit and be, or whenever that is, and, and really bring out that sort of yes to anything feeling. But I don't, actually don't really have an idea about how I'll do other than just like intend to do it. <laughs> so any help with that? Would I think, I think you just kind of, you literally just gave an example of that. And I know yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's you know, how you start. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks guys, bye. <laughs> but I think it, it is this idea, like, like um, at the Women in Wealth Conference that we were at, Sandy, uh, where she was talking about this like, this kind of black and white version of how we look at solving problems. I need to solve this problem and it needs to be solved hundred percent or therefore everything less than hundred percent is failure. Um, that it's just, it's, it's more of a process. And, and it's exactly what Kate was talking about, this kind of combination of awareness and checking in and, and, and tracking. And, and, and I loved something you were talking about Kate, cause this is something I have, I have a lot of trouble with uh, is this idea that, Setting a goal for the year does not mean that you work on it equally over that entire year. It does not mean that, oh, but it's halfway through the year and I haven't worked on that at all. It's like, well, have you worked on other things? And maybe is December going to be all about that? And like, it, it, it doesn't have to happen completely equally, yeah. constantly, you know, which sounds like it would feel really good, but isn't really how life works. <laughs> Yeah. And you don't have to do everything every day. Like if you have these five goals, you don't have to put a checkbox beside every single one of them and an X on your calendar for every single one every day. Like that's mm -hmm. where it's important. And I was just learning last year, the difference between, okay, this is a daily habit versus this is a project. So if mm -hmm. I want to sew more, maybe that's one day on my calendar a month. That's not a daily thing. I don't have to be cutting patterns every morning, but if, <laughs> if, um, kind of like movement is important to me, like moving my body, then maybe daily I want to say, oh, I at least like went for a walk or maybe I did actually go to the gym that day or whatever it is. But also when you set a goal, it doesn't, there's lots of different ways you can 
practice that. It might be carving out like Sandy, you're talking about like, okay, Friday nights, this is our going to be, think of it as like an experiment. Okay. We're going to just try this and have this as time. And if I like we go to bed that Friday night and I say, Oh, I felt like present during that. That's great. If you're like, I thought of work the whole time, like, cool. I don't like you're trying. That's really all that there is. So, you know, what's really interesting and it goes, I mean, it goes right back down to our concept of budgeting or goal setting is that we just, this, this isn't a new observation, but it's so appealing to think of it in tidy grids. And if I impose this structure on a thing, I somehow yeah. am better at that thing. Yeah. Or not, not even, it's not even the concept of getting better or not being as good at something, but just I've done something just by imposing a structure on it. And if, it, if I can measure in a really tidy way that, you know, I have more money in my savings account than I did and it's to plan or I only spent $27 on coffee this month because that was in my budget. Like those kinds of structures, if we don't allow for design thinking, if we don't allow for, oh, that didn't work. Hmm. I wonder why. Let's go back and look at that or, or let's change course or whatever. If we're not on purpose, bringing that into our consciousness every time we evaluate the way something is working for us, then all we're doing is putting a little grid around something and feeling like we're in control of it and tearing our hair out every time life, which is messy, happens to it. That's all. Again, not a new observation, but one that just came out of my mouth. No, it's, yeah. just, it's just messier. Um, can I, I, it's like, well, slight tangent, it's related to goal thinking, but more specific. Can, can I, what do you guys, what is your, your experience with setting specifically income goals? This is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Last year I set an income goal for the first year, really. And it kind of mixed feelings all about it. You know, there's positive things in it, but at the same time, I don't like, I don't know. I have a very, I have a very mixed experience with my kind of limited experience with setting income goals. And I was just curious about whether that's something you guys did and any experiences you've had of that. Last year was my first year of okay. doing that because I'm such a hippie. It felt for the years up to that, like, oh no, like I'll just do the things and I'm not going to worry about it. And that's, and again, I don't want to make fun of myself for that because it worked really well. It was great <laughs> because I never wanted to be thinking about, well, I have to make that income. I don't want to be moved by that to make yeah. decisions that I would otherwise not have made. Um, but the beautiful thing about the structure that we had last year and, and actually part of my planning in October this year was to look at the whole year, look at the time I had available as part of that tracking, right? Look at the time that I had available to devote to work projects. Well, the way I earn income is by delivering financial plans. So how many, how long does it take me to do a plan? How many clients do we typically have? Is it reasonable? If I take out all the time that I don't want to work in the amount of time that I do want to work, is it reasonable to make the kind of income that we need for the business to succeed? And it turns out that it is, it's likely. And last year I had set an income goal that was not based on those kinds of things. And we're refining that process as we go. And I meet that income goal. And part of the reason I didn't want to set income goals before was because, especially in a group setting, what if I don't meet it and I've let everybody down? Yeah. I don't want to be, I mean, of course I'm always moved by not letting other people down. It's just my DNA, but, um, 
But so having a positive first year experience of setting an income goal and reaching it has opened me up to being a little bit more okay with income goals. That is awesome. Hmm. Last year was also the first year that I did that. And so this is at the beginning where I talked about setting a focus area and then writing kind of an, an intention or an experience statement around that. So I wrote an income goal and I wish I had done what Sandy did about the time and the blocks and the realisticness portion of that. It wasn't, anywho, <laughs> it wasn't totally, I don't know, like it was reasonable. So I set an income goal at the time I was freelance. So that was, you know, from a certain amount of clients that I imagine I'd be working with. But then like right next along the same sentence with that income goal. And I want to be doing like work I'm proud of for people I care about. And I wrote like what kind of work I want to be doing and why that's important to me. And then it was neat because checking with that every quarter when I would plan and at the end of the year, even if I wasn't at that goal, that number goal that I had set, I could say, oh yeah, but like you're proud of the work you're doing. That's really cool. And you weren't last year. That's awesome. That's so much progress. And then I, I took, I ended up taking a full-time job. So then that looked different than the goal I originally set. And then I had to leave that job because I had a concussion. So it's been all <laughs> over the place, but it was helpful for me to tie why that number, I thought that number was important to me and what kind of work I want to be doing. Because then even if I don't hit the metric, I can, I hit this other metric of being closer to, okay, this is the type of work I want to be doing and people I'm working with, because that's important to me. I'm not the person that can do work that can like detach from their work and not like it and then still be happy. Everything's like way too intertwined in my brain. I'm not good with the boxes. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Those boxes are not friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's helpful. I think that that's a good idea and a, and a helpful thing to think about, just kind of providing some qualifying factors to a number. And, and putting it in the context. Because I think that's one thing that I've, I've just struggled with. I, I struggle with putting a financial filter on the world in general. This is, it's not, it's kind of, that's, when that's a primary filter, I'm never sure if, if it's the uncomfortable that's pushing me forward in a good way or that it's just, yeah, it just doesn't kind of feel natural to me. Is. It's working with numbers is not my choice. I like the work. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's, even though I, I work with numbers most of the time now, it's not the thing, it, it's in service to what I want to do. It's not because I like to work with numbers, I work with people, I like to work with people and the numbers kind of follow afterwards. And so in my own life, putting that financial filter on it and, and income, especially because it just, it quantifies the work in a way that's so different from how I quantified the work for a long time. Um, uh, and, and I think in, in a way it forces me to think about that. And that's really good. And it pushes me to kind of really think about it in broader sense and value my time and all that stuff. There's some really good things that come from setting goals, but also it creates this stress on the balancing side that I'm not completely sure if it's, if it's necessary or if it'll go away or if it's just kind of seeing the world through, oh, I need to, seeing, not seeing people as dollars. That's not what it is, but there maybe there's a, a bit of that, you know, seeing just a little bit more of just instead of seeing the person and the work, there's also this extra element, which is what am I getting? And I don't know, I, it's, it's hard to kind of express, but I've, I've had some uncomfortability around that, especially mm -hmm. coming in with this, like, you need to make this much, you know? And especially as kind of um, the obligations grow and the responsibilities grow, and this is kind of what you were talking to, Sandy, it's like, especially when there's other people involved, that 
pressure be, just grows a little bit more. This idea that it's like, okay, you know, you need to make this much or you need to make a certain amount in order to, and so I'm, I, I'm balancing those pressures and, and kind of what that context is inside of a goal and, and, and inside of tracking those metrics and all of that. And so it's, it's really helpful to hear you guys talk about it. It's something that I'm, I'm figuring out. This, this is the first year at the, we, we did some changes to kind of internally at spring to the, you know, the compensation structures and all focused on ongoing sustainability, which we like, we like ongoing sustainability. So there were yeah. some things we had to put in place personally that like, it was a bit of a rough patch to come to where we are now, but this is the first year <clears throat> where we feel like, remember at, let me step back for a second. Remember when we opened this season and I was like, that's like two years away. Everything is like two years away. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do remember that. <laughs> it's now. So there is just, and it's not, I mean, to anybody else's idea of what a comfortable financial life looks like, this ain't it. But for us, it's this, because then all the things that we're working to accomplish in our family, which come, I mean, which are funded by the work that I do at spring can be done within the work that I'm doing. So that whole exercise about the time that I don't want to be spending on work, can I still make the income and move spring forward and do the things that we all want to do with that and do the things that we want to do in our home and our family and our community? Turns out probably yes. And so 2019, I mean, it feels good for a lot of different reasons that all, you know, but 2019 just feels like full of opportunity. And I'm, and part of that comes from having sat down to do that income planning and the yeah. time blocking for the thing. Yeah. For the thing that is all the part, it's part of my mission. It's not the whole part of my mission is not work, but part of my mission is that work. And that work is enough that there's room outside of that to do the other things and there's money to do the other things. It's just really exciting. So Yay. <laughs> yes, exciting. It's amazing. We'll wait for whenever the next thing changes, because it's about like a nine-month cycle in my family. But it's still right now. Let's just be let's just be in this moment. <laughs> An excellent opportunity to practice being. <laughs> being. <laughs> oh man. That's so good. Yes, overwhelmingly, it's good. And that's it only like... <laughs> I mean, it's got dollars in it, but it's an account and there's money going into it everywhere. <laughs> it's a very small car right now. <laughs> but it exists. It You're exists. getting like, it's no longer like the Matchbox car. Like, it's like some kind of car that a teddy bear could drive right now. <laughs> small one. One of those really like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on the stuffing and all that stuff but you it's know it's all thanks to income plan no <laughs> no it's all thanks to income plan no it's just yeah. nice plus it's nice to have an outlook that is grounded in some kind of realistic fact you know yeah, yeah. um instead of just i've operated a lot of my life and like well i hope something turns up just out of necessity um so being able to operate that way but kind of with a pretty high percentage of probability that that thing will keep turning up is lovely that's all providing you an outlook that's grounded in some kind of fact is like that's like on the financial planning crest a little bit you know like because it is that i just like look it's not going to happen this way but i want to give you an outlook that's like based on actual things <laughs> 
and actual things and, and, and factoring those in. It's like, it's, it, I don't know. I've always, I, I found it interesting because now I get to talk to lots of people about goal planning. It's, it's, it's one of the first things that, that, that I talk about with clients and some people are so good at it. And some people are just, just like, it's not something that they think about very often and neither are, you know, and then some people are good at thinking about it, but not necessarily figuring out how to bring it into action and all that thing. But it's just like, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation to have with people. And I think that honestly, it's in this kind of grand scheme of conversations about money. Um, this is a pretty good in the idea of, you know, talking about goals, talking about dreams, talking about values, whatever your way to answer that question of what do you want or what could you want or what do you maybe possibly want and at some point, however vague you need to get to feel comfortable with it. Um, it's a good conversation to have because it's not loaded. You can layer in those, those levels of realism and those levels of kind of data after, but it's a good kind of place to start, um, especially if it's not a conversation you're super comfortable with. We found out how to talk about money. Fixed it. Um, yep. Fixed it. Over. Done. Podcast canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guy who wants to pitch cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh man i also random tangent about metrics uh i popped into seth godin's blog the other day and he had a really nice like little as he does all of his blogs are like 15 seconds long but always really good and just about how um you know just not getting sucked into other people's metrics you know, it's so easy just to take a metric that sounds really good. He was using podcasting metrics. Actually, he's like, I want to, you're talking to a friend who wanted to launch a podcast. And he's like, I want to make it top 10, top 10 on the iTunes charts. And he was like, cool, that's a good metric. But do you understand all the things that have to come with that metric and all the compromises and, and, and things that you need to do? Like his, his point was choose your own metrics. Make mm. sure you're measuring by your own stick, which I think is... Um, is a really good thing to think about in the realm of goal planning. I think Kate already gave some really good kind of tips and thoughts around that. But I have a, even just with my business planning this year, just like a metrics that matter and like focusing in on like three or four things that maybe they'll change. But for now, it's like I'm not looking at everything. I'm going to look at these four things and see if those are okay, if everything's kind of okay <laughs> and if it's like progressing forward. Um, and fewer metrics, not all the things, even if you're a big data nerd, just to be like, try to focus on a few things and have them be like, I was reading something that described it as like the, the like red warning bulb. It's like, pick a metric that's like, oh, if that's off, then maybe I need to open this up and look at a bunch more things, but just kind of try to pick something that'll set off the alarm, the canary in the coal mine kind of thing in that area of your life. Be like, if this is off, there's a good chance that I need to do some reflection and kind of jump into this but if this is okay then things are probably going okay i really like that mm. concept of yeah identifying those few things that will warn you that other things are about to go off the rails yeah yeah it's from um it's from the guy who wrote profit first his new book uh okay book his first. name is mike something mike is it mccallowitz it has it could be much, it has a lot of letters <laughs> i just it's one of those like a fantasy book name. I don't say them out loud. I just yeah. I really apologize for butchering that name. But, but he wrote Profit First, yeah. and he wrote a new book called. It's about small business 
structures. And he talked about, um, you know, yeah, those kind of focusing in on those. But I think it works. You can work with any kind of goal. Because I did find at the end of last year, looking back on kind of the goals that I set, it had been one of the first years that I'd really been really deliberate. Um, I was annoyed at the ones that were hard to measure because I didn't know if I'd succeeded or not, or even if I'd moved forward on them. And I didn't know how to quantify that. And so that's something that kind of was rolling around in my head about setting goals being like some way to know. They don't have to be SMART goals. That's kind of like acronym SMART, which I can't remember exactly what all the letters mean. Stupid, but meaningless. <laughs> Asinine. Sandy's like, let me open my Rolodex. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Tedious. There you go. <laughs> nice. I don't know. Or am I am I wrong there? Like, is is that not as important? I, I don't know. I was annoyed that like with things like health and a couple of other ones that were just like they looked good to write down, but I had no idea if I if I Well, again, I think the, I mean, the things that what matters about health. Do I have a constant headache? Uh, would I like to not have a constant headache? Yeah. Should I drink water? Okay. Hell, I will drink water. And I will know that that is a thing that is working for me because I won't have a constant headache all the time or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so of course, as much as I just totally dumped on the idea of smart goals, why does that yeah. thing goes back to, it's just what, it's just what Kate said about, why does that matter? Why does, so you don't write it down unless you know why it matters and you have to know what it is, how it affects you when it is mattering versus when it's not mattering or when you're not paying attention to it. Because I know what, how it affects me when I'm not paying attention to just being, which is all the time. I, I you all, <laughs> I know what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, I really like that idea of metrics and knowing what kind of leads to other ones. And I've had to do that with my health, like living with like through chronic illnesses, being very hyper aware of that. And I've been able to tell like when something's off, um, almost like dominoes, like I can notice, okay, my sleep's off. So, okay, now I know this is kind of the start where things might start getting worse and I know how I can deal with that. And I figured out, and I think I've written about it before. It's kind of like my productivity or efficiency domino, like the, when my, I start feeling wonky, I know that if I start um, working out again, that makes the other stuff easier for me. Then I start eating better. I tend to remember to take my supplements. Like all this other stuff starts falling in place. And I think that's different for everyone. So I also know, I think sort of related to that, if an area of my life is off, like what's the easiest first thing I can do instead of saying, oh, I have to get a million things back on track or my money's a mess. And now I have to do all this stuff. Like what's the easiest one thing I do that I know in the past has this like ripple domino effect that if I do this, then the other stuff around it starts getting easier too. Yeah. So that's another way I've sort of applied that that's worked for me. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I know one of the easiest things this time last year, I had learned over that holiday break that if I take my phone upstairs with me, when I go have a shower in the morning, weird it's a weird little thing but not doing that changes the landscape of the first part of my day getting the kids mm -hmm. to school or whatever for, and there's not I couldn't even point to a specific thing that I would do but just even the mindset of carrying it upstairs still having it with me when I you know yeah it was one small thing that was really easy and I've identified that a couple of times over the years when it's like what or over the year like why is the landscape of this morning so difficult oh that's right. I forgot about that thing I learned about myself, which is the constant mm -hmm. irritation. 
but I forget those things. Let's uh, let's finish off with a couple of um, things you're working on this year. If you guys feel like sharing a sharing a few, anything that's on the specific focus for 2019, even though people listen to it in February, so maybe they've changed <laughs> by then. <laughs> For work stuff, my big goal this year is learning how to, to more uniquely speak into the things that clients are asking about themselves. So we've got, you know, we've done a lot of work on creating a standard plan template that makes sure they get the essential information. There's a lot of work that we do though to write to clients. And I'd like to focus less on getting everything written down, make sure the essentials are there, but focus on how to deliver that. Maybe it needs to be verbal. Maybe it needs to be something else to clients that this time next year, I want to be able to say like, I feel a little bit better about connecting where they're actually asking the questions in whatever format. That's cool. Cool. For me around income and lifestyle is essentially figuring out a way to make money that also honors how I work best. I've learned a lot about myself recently, especially since having my concussion about the environments that I work best in and the type of work that I do best in certain environments. And I would love to be able to honor that more so that I can stay healthier. <laughs> so mm. that's probably going to look like working more remotely. So. Yeah. Chris. Yeah, um, for me, the big the big shift for 2019 is that I I'm I don't have any opera work this year, so I step back from opera work to kind of focus completely on planning and that side, which is on one hand exciting and on the other hand kind of terrifying from a practical aspect. So it's just there's just a, a different weight on that side. So it's the kind of goal is just to pay all the bills um, and to to make it through this year at the same time as because what was that not enough i'm doing a lot of traveling this year so kind of really pushing this pushing this digital nomad thing to maybe not to the max but but you know to a certain level kind of adding in some extra extra elements of you know being in different places a lot of the time and making my own kind of work level work um work rhythm and being able to kind of keep up with that um well changing some of those base elements so it's gonna be an interesting year mainly i'm excited but i there's definitely more than a few mornings that uh, start with a good dose of what's lighter than terror uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure we'll work on that we're gonna work on that <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chris Entz, and I'm an advice-only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com. And I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice-only financial planner at springplans.ca. I'm Kate Smalley. I'm a financial marketer, and you can find me and all my links at katesmalley.com. If you liked what you heard, please go to iTunes and leave us a fantastic review. It helps us, helps more people find the podcast. And if you really like what you heard, check us out at Patreon, Patreon slash Because Money, and uh, donate a small amount per podcast. It helps us keep the show running. Have a great week.